From Creation Ministries International, you're listening to Creation.com's article podcast. The research and insights that give God the glory, refutes evolution, and gives you the answers to defend your faith. I'm Joseph Darnell. Within a few generations after the flood, tyrants began to appear on the earth, first in the person of Nimrod, the grandson of Ham. Some commentators suggest that the name Nimrod comes from the Hebrew word for the word revolt or rebellion. Even if not, as we will consider, his name signifies rebellion. Genesis 8.10 tells us that Nimrod was the first person to be a mighty man. The adjective mighty is used three times in Genesis 10 verses 8 through 9. The Hebrew word translated as mighty can also be translated as tyrant. His distinction was that he was the first man, after the flood, to use aggressive force to control other people. And implication of this may be that he attempted to put himself above honorable men like Noah and Shem, and also to elevate himself to a place above Almighty God. Even while Noah and Shem were still alive and able to bear witness to the judgment that came upon the antediluvians, including the tyrants of those days, Nimrod pursued his ambitious course of consolidating power, exercising authority over his neighbors, and challenging God. People of Nimrod's generation likely lived around 400 years. During his long life, assuming that he wasn't assassinated, he would have continued to extend his power and increase the degree of evil which he practiced. Thus his ruthlessness became legendary. The scriptures also refer to him as a mighty hunter before the Lord. Every other occurrence of this word in the Old Testament refers to hunting animals. So many commentators conclude that Nimrod became famous for his ability to track and bring down big game. Thus, it is possible that this is a reference to his being the first recognized dragon slayer. At that time, the offspring of dinosaurs which had been taken into the Ark would have been spreading throughout the lightly inhabited world. Nimrod may have brought down these dragons and become renowned for protecting human settlements from vicious marauding animals. If this were the case, then even God would have been pleased with his action. However, the context appears to suggest that we are to understand this differently. Nimrod was a mighty hunter, but he may not have limited his hunting to animal game and instead treated his neighbors as if they were nothing more than deer or gazelle. Thus, the expression before the Lord in Genesis 10.9 should be taken in the negative sense, against the Lord. Nimrod was an affront to God and man because he sought to rule over people tyrannically. Like Cain in Genesis 4.17, Nimrod founded a city. Maybe you've heard of it. Babel. Babel was situated in Shinar, the early biblical name for the southern portion of the area later called Babylonia, in the flat valley between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers near where the two rivers come close together, in what is today Iraq. Today this area is dry and desolate, as Isaiah prophesied it would become in the book of Isaiah 13, 19 through 22. However, in the centuries immediately following the flood, this area would have been well watered and highly productive. For the Babylonians, the name Babel meant gate of God. 
It is generally believed that it was given this name since it was the seat of the pagan cult of Baal worship. It was there that the tower was built to honor the pagan pantheon and to challenge the authority of the living God. God's covenant people reinterpreted the meaning of the city's name using related sounds to mean he confused. As the population of Babel increased, it likely would have become too large for its immediate hinterlands to support. In addition, as the population of Greater Mesopotamia increased, controlling the population from a single city could have been a challenge. These are possible reasons why Nimrod established other cities in Sumer. He maintained control over these cities and formed them into the first post-Diluvian kingdom, and this is the first reference to a kingdom in the Bible. The Genesis account mentions that Nimrod then went into Assyria and also built cities there. This area had initially been settled by the descendants of Shem. Also, Nimrod not only formed the first kingdom, but it also appears that he extended his kingdom by conquering and subjugating the people of other lands and formed an empire. Nimrod established permanent settlements, which were likely walled based on the findings from archaeological digs and city ruins, from which the territories within his empire could be controlled. In Assyria, he first founded Nineveh on the Tigris River in northern Iraq, which became the capital of Assyria. We know of Nineveh from later history, for example Jonah's visit, as a city which covered a large area. The locations of Rehobot, Er, and Resen are uncertain. However, Kela is believed to be the city ruins called Nimrod, named after Nimrod, which was excavated in the mid-19th century. Two large winged lion statues from the ruins were delivered by Henry Layard to the British Museum after many transportation challenges. The treasure of Nimrod, gold jewelry and precious stones found in the ruins, survived looting in Iraq in 2003 and was preserved in Baghdad. God had instructed mankind to go out and fill the uninhabited earth, to explore and subdue his splendid creation. However, instead of migrating in different directions, most of them determined that they would stick together and organize themselves around a single central city. This does not mean that every inhabitant of the earth at that time lived in the one city, but the central city was Babel. The unified rebellion at Babel may have occurred as soon as 130 years after the flood, and possibly as late as 340 years after the flood. Even with a later date, Noah and at least Shem of Noah's sons were still alive as eyewitnesses to the antediluvian rebellion against God and of its consequences. So men could not have used an excuse of ignorance. Rather, the Babelites' rebellion was clearly a blatant attack of defiance against God's law and authority. It is not stated in Genesis 11 that Nimrod was responsible for building the tower, However, as the founder of Babel, it can legitimately be assumed that he oversaw the tower's construction. Josephus, the Talmud, and the later Midrash on the Old Testament support this view. Based on our current understanding of ancient Middle Eastern cultic religions and the nature of ziggurats, which the tower likely was, it is possible that the Babelites under Nimrod created a religion with gods associated with celestial objects, such as the sun, moon, planets, and other stars as well as earth-based entities like the sea, rivers, and storms. If this is the case, then they laid a foundation for the use of astrological signs and omens, and what they created was absorbed by the later inhabitants of Akkad and Sumer, 
and transmitted around the world with the dispersing people groups after the confusion of languages. We'll continue to discuss Nimrod and his adventures right after this break. Hey listener, while you're studying the early chapters of Genesis, have you felt like you're not learning as much as you might if you had a great written commentary? As amazing and meaningful as the book of Genesis is, Christians want to learn everything they can from the early pages of God's Word. But as many of the details in the book of Genesis relate to science, it would also be great if the read is a scientific commentary. That's why I recommend that you get a copy of the book by Dr. Jonathan Sarfati, The Genesis Account. This classic commentary on Genesis 1-11 through contains a thorough analysis of the text itself and has a number of features that set it apart from many other Genesis commentaries. It defends the biblical creation position on creation in six consecutive normal days, death resulting from Adam's fall, a globe-covering flood, confusion of languages at Babel, and in the process, it explains how the rest of the Bible interprets Genesis in a straightforward manner. While skillfully documenting how interpreters throughout church history have taught the topics of the book of Genesis, and that long-age death-before-sin views were a reaction to 19th-century uniformitarian geology, it also provides cutting-edge scientific support for Genesis history. But most importantly, it demonstrates that all doctrines of Christianity begin in Genesis 1-11. through This commentary straightforwardly answers the commonest objections to a plain understanding of these crucial Genesis texts. So get a copy of the Genesis account at creation.com slash store. Nimrod was a historical person, not legendary as suggested by some secular historians. The name Nimrod may be a dysphemism introduced by the author of this portion of Genesis. So we can ask who he was, as he is referenced in extra-biblical history, Various possibilities have been suggested, including Tukultai Ninurta I, King of Assyria, and Amenophis III, King of Egypt, and mythical heroes, for example Marduk, Orion, and Gilgamesh. However, the most likely historical person, as suggested by archaeologist Murray Adamthwaite in an article in Journal of Creation, is Sargon the Great, or Sargon of Akkad, the founder of the dynasty of Akkad. The word Sargon means the king is legitimate and is a dynastic name taken centuries later by King Sargon I of the old Assyrian Empire that flourished in 1850 BC and a thousand years after that by King Sargon II who reigned in 721 to 705 BC of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. At one time, historians dated Sargon's reign from 2568 BC to 2513 BC. We cannot accept secular historians' dates when they date events prior to the global flood which took place around 2345 BC. However, in the late 20th century, his reign was redated from 2334 to 2279 BC. Now, even such a date range as this places Sargon of Akkad's reign too close to the end of the flood, and recent research, as noted by Adam Thwaite, has proposed that Sargon's reign should be redated from 2296 to 2240 BC, or his reign could even be more recent, dated from 2270 to 2215 BC. Both of these later date ranges place Sargon the Great's reign in the right era to coincide with Nimrod, and they overlap with a possible date for the construction of the Tower of Babel, probably sometime between 2245 and 2215 BC. 
The extent of Sargon's empire was essentially the same as that referred to in the Genesis 10 account, although it also extended into Asia Minor, which may have occurred after the account in Genesis 10 was written. Historians regard Sargon of Akkad as the first person to have created an empire which fits well with what we are told about Nimrod. The Bible identifies Nimrod as the first empire builder. Thus, they are likely the same person. Historians believe that Sargon the Great's dynasty controlled Mesopotamia for a century and a half, and that he died in 2215 BC, and that the subjects in his empire revolted upon hearing of his death. Two of Sargon's sons succeeded him with short reigns, after which his empire decayed, and the Elamites destroyed the remnants of his empire. Historians have identified a period of chaos after the death of Sargon the Great and the demise of his dynasty in which Mesopotamia had no central authority for over a century. This chaos could be explained by the disruption which would have resulted from the confusion of languages. It is believed that, following the Akkadian period under Sargon, there was an attempt by the Sumerian dynasty, South Mesopotamia, to consolidate power in Mesopotamia. It is called the Third Ur Dynasty Period. It is reported to have lasted until around 2000 BC. Abraham was born during this period, and as we are informed, lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. Out of this turmoil in Mesopotamia, an Amorite king, Hammurabi, reported to have reigned circa 1792 through 1750 BC and established a new empire based in Babylon. This was the short-lived Old Babylonian Empire, not to be confused with the Neo-Babylonian Empire of Nebuchadnezzar. He was successful in consolidating power in Mesopotamia and restored a measure of centralized order. He is known for his law code, of which parts have been preserved on a number of stele and clay tablets. Dynasties controlling Mesopotamia were important throughout the period of the Israelite occupation of Palestine because they had significant interactions with God's covenant people. Centuries after Hammurabi, these empires were the Neo-Assyrian, Neo-Babylonian, Persian, Greek, and Roman. Sargon the Great was regarded by later Mesopotamian empire builders as the model for despotic rule. For example, Nabonidus, king of Babylon between 555 and 539 BC, showed great interest in the history of Sargon's dynasty and had excavations undertaken at Sargon's palaces. God used the division of language at Babel to bring an end to Nimrod's ambitions in the first empire in world history. Nimrod was an affront to God because of his support for a false polytheistic religion, his attempt to dethrone God by building a tower raised against heaven, and his tyrannical rule over people. Nimrod built cities like Wicked Cain as memorials to man, rather than building altars to the living God as Noah and Abraham did. He worked to build the city of man, the anti-God, temporal, hedonistic city, rather than seeking the establishment of the city of God. The Creation.com article podcast is hosted by me, Joseph Darnell, and produced out of the U.S. studio of Creation Ministries International. Learn more at creation.com about the ministry. This episode's article was written by James R. Hughes. 
We also produce the Creation.com Talk podcast with our speakers and scientists in the U.S. And you can find it right here in your podcast app or on our YouTube channel. And get in touch if you would like to arrange to have one of our creationist speakers visit your church. If you're interested in investing in Creation.com, become a monthly supporter making a donation at Creation.com slash donate. You can also help out by telling your family and friends to check out Creation Magazine. Be sure to follow Creation Ministries International on Facebook and Instagram, or subscribe to our free e-newsletter. From everyone at creation.com, thanks for listening.